Hello, everyone, and welcome to another hot stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined tonight by Jason Kelly and Cody Paulson. Jason, how are you? Doing pretty good. I'm waiting for the stove to get a little hotter, though, because it's it's still a little tepid and a little cool right now. But uh, those days are still to come, I guess. It's it's early, so I'll be patient. Yeah. All right. How, how you been? It's been uh, a few uh, shows anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Things been pretty good. You know, just chilling out. Same old. So Celtics and Bruins have been kind of, you know, doing pretty it's, good. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually in for a pretty fun winter. It looks like uh, here, here in Boston. So we'll take it because the Patriots aren't going anywhere uh, anytime soon. So <laughs> good thing the Bruins and Celtics are keeping us entertained. And Brady's undefeated since his divorce, so <laughs> yeah. You, you want to get better at life? Divorce your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's going to be playing uh, pretty fired up the rest of the season. I'm guessing. So especially like when there's like a new name attached to Giselle every week. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and yeah. then the next opponent he throws however many yards, you know, 300 yards although, that game. But well, I guess there's a new name attached to him too. Oh, Which is there? there? Yeah, there were a couple of rumors about that earlier. I forget her name, but it was some Swedish model or something. Oh. So, you know, we'll see. Okay, so he, uh, all right. He he prefers Europeans, apparently, I'm guessing. But, all right, so. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Cody, how are you? <laughs> you were on last show, but uh, got some more baseball to discuss. How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Uh, didn't have a wedding this one, uh, so I was able to stay at home, kind of relax a little bit, get uh, get recharged. It, it was it was real nice. It's always entertaining too to see how fast um, celebrities move on from you know the last fling to the next one. I know it's the circle of life. I one last thing about Giselle. Who was that comedian? She was like hanging out with like TMZ was all over it. I oh, I don't that that wasn't real. It was like an internet joke that she was going to date Pete oh. Davidson because he dates like everybody. <laughs> and Cushman <laughs> I mean, fell for it. All right, I was going to say that that would have concerned me a little bit, but uh, anyway, all right. Let's let's stick to where you know. Let's get back in our lane here. All right, so the big news of the day: Nathan Avaldi has declined. His $19.65 million qualifying offer. So he could have just simply accepted that, played for that amount this year. That is actually $2.5 million more than what he had been getting paid the last four years, which was $17 million. So he turned down a, a one-year decent raise to uh, hit the open market. So go ahead, Jason. What were your thoughts? Like, did that surprise you that he declined it? Yeah, it didn't surprise me too much because I think Evaldi is looking for a multi-year deal. I don't think he wanted another one year of he has to go out there and prove himself kind of thing. Um, So, I, you know, he turned down a slight raise, but I think he still believes that he can get guaranteed contract of at least three or four years from if not the Red Sox from someone else and I think right now that's what he cares more about he cares more about sort of the years and the security as as opposed to just taking a two and a half million dollar raise 
to just be on another one year deal. Um, Cause you know, in, in his mind, he might be thinking, Hey, if I take the QO and I pitch, you know, not that great next year and maybe my velocity dips or something like that, you know, his market value right now, according to Spotrack is 6.16.7. So it's just under what he was making with the Red Sox. So maybe he looked at it and said, yeah, I can take the QO, but if I don't pitch that well next year, or if I get hurt or if, you know, I miss time, whatever, that market value is going to crash down. And now all of a sudden I'm looking at taking, I'll be another year older and I'll be looking at taking one or two year deals for nine, 10 million. I'd rather just reject the QO, work something out with Boston or whatever um, and get a multi-year deal and get that security behind it. So I wasn't terribly shocked only because of, you know, his age and the, the kind of stage he's at in his career. I think he's just looking for a little bit more security. Cody. I think when we look at Nathan Avaldi, we have to back it up a, a little bit farther than just this year alone, right? Um, you know, we obviously signed him to that four-year deal after, you know, what was a spectacular 2018 season. I thought it was a little bit reactionary at the time. Obviously, you have his heroics in, I believe it was game four, you know, the the sixth basically shutout innings in, in what was the longest World Series game. Um Hand up, I'll say it at the time, I wasn't thrilled that we offered four years to a guy that, you know, rarely finished the season. Yeah, he had high velocity, but, you know, he had a, a pretty crazy injury history. And I think, you know, on the other side of this four-year deal, it was one of the few that was a win-win for both players, right? You had a guy that was kind of bouncing around from team to team, couldn't really find a footing, uh, but got some guaranteed money. And, you know, we committed a lot of money to him at the time. I wasn't thrilled, but he ended up being our ace, you know? So him rejecting the one-year qualifying offer at 32, I think makes a ton of sense from his stance. This is probably the last chance that he's going to have to make uh, a multi-year deal. You know, as Jason mentioned, right, if he keeps doing these one-year prove-it deals and he doesn't have a great season, that market's going to dry up really quickly and he's not going to be able to sign any guaranteed money. He's going to have to can I do it on a on a Waka type deal, a one year, seven million here? You know, try to try to scrap out some some additional millions based off of performance. Just because he rejected the qualifying offer doesn't mean that he doesn't have the opportunity to to come back to us at that number. Um, you know, if if the market isn't there for him. But um, you know, as much as I would love to see him, you know, get locked up, be in the rotation for next year, uh, I wasn't all too surprised. I was a little surprised, and uh, Evaldi is 32 at the moment. He'll be 33 in February, so right as they're reporting. So next year, essentially, is age 33 season. And I admittedly had to just look that up myself. But um, I really thought Evaldi would probably take the qualifying offer because, number one, He's expressed the whole time he wants to stay in Boston, and that's the one guaranteed way to do it. But I was really surprised to find out last week with the rest of us that the Red Sox were interested in him at multiple years. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that that's horrifying. That was horrifying to me. Like, I've spent the last four years just hoping for the best with Nathan Avaldi. And 
that's one of those contracts you just hope you kind of get out of relatively unscathed, or at least that's how I looked at it. And now we want to add multiple years more. And I don't know if that's two years or if that's three years. I I don't know what that is. I mean, we've seen 33-year-old pitchers get three years or more. So the other scary thing, he had the velocity dip that never really went, uh, that never resolved itself. I don't think we really know the extent of what kind of damaged goods he he might be at this point. You go back to 2019, 12 starts. And that was because he had bone chips in his elbow. He appeared in more games than that, but as a reliever. 2020, injured ankle. He, he didn't even get through the, the sh- shortest MLB season of all time without going on the injured list. And I think, if I remember right, the trade deadline that year was September 1st. And I was thinking to myself, this guy has no trade value, no serious trade value to where you're going to get a haul or, or even a, a, you know, a nice prospect. You're, you're not going to get, you know, that lower top 10 guy that the Nationals got from us for Schwarber. Not, not saying that that was a super great prospect. But anyway, so Evaldi goes on the injured list in 2020. 2021, that was his unicorn season. 32 starts, most of his career. Pitched pretty well, uh, even into the month of October. Was probably a big reason why we, you know, got to game six of the ALCS. Can't take that away. But then back to reality in 2020, uh, 2022, excuse me, this past season, only 20 starts uh, on the injured list one time for lower back inflammation. Kind of concerning, you know, back injuries in in pitching doesn't doesn't go well. Then he gets reactivated, but goes back on again shortly after with right shoulder inflammation. This is a guy who can't stay healthy, and it's frustrating to me that we have a general manager or whatever his title is, chief baseball officer, Hein Bloom, that thinks it's a good idea to add a guy who's a huge liability to a rotation that already has two other huge liabilities to it. Like, have we not learned anything from, from the sale signing? And Sale had a shoulder problem in the 2018 playoffs. He he wasn't good. And and then he made the infamous, I went to the hospital because my belly button rang and flamed. That was his shoulder. And I think the popular theory, I don't know if this was proven or not, so don't take it as fact necessarily, but he took too much ibuprofen. Had to get it flushed out. I saw that floating around. I Again, I don't know if it's true or not, but Chris Sale took that deal that next season. Everyone thought $145 million. Wow, that's a, that's a huge discount. Well, Sale probably knew he had no choice but to take that deal because he just limped to the finish line the previous two seasons. 2017, first year with us, ran out of gas. 2018 had the shoulder thing. Nathan Navaldi to me has nothing but red flags. So 
when I learned today that he declined that, that was a huge sigh of relief to me. And I know he can still be back. They can still work out a multi-year deal. But the fact that he declined it and didn't use that as leverage to then, uh, you know, go deeper into negotiations with the Red Sox on that multi-year deal, that's a little bit encouraging for a guy like me who's in the extreme anti-Evaldi camp right now. That says to me his agent has probably talked to other teams and he probably has a decent market out there to for at least two or three years. And here's a comp, and I don't know if this is what he would get paid, but Tyler Anderson today just pitched a very good season, a career best season with the Dodgers, turned down their qualifying offer, signs with the Angels for three years, $39 million, So that's 13 per. I don't know if that's the neighborhood of all he ends up in, what he's looking for, what have you. But... um. But he, he could be in that range. So any thoughts on whether you guys wanted to or didn't didn't want him uh, to accept any type of deal with the Red Sox? I mean, if we can get Evaldi for three for 39, sign me up for that 10 out of 10 times. I mean, I'm looking at the free agent list uh, this offseason, and there isn't the type of upside that Evaldi has at, at seemingly – you know, that kind of price point, right? Obviously turning down 20 million is turning down 20 million, but if you can lock him in for a 13 AAV, I, you know, I, I think both parties would sign that, or maybe not both parties would sign that happily. I would be thrilled to get that as a, as the Red Sox. Yeah. I think when it comes to the free agent market, um, it's really not that good when it comes to starting pitching. Um, Carlos Rodon, I think, is going to be too expensive. He's going to be too rich for the Red Sox blood, so forget about that. Um, I know a lot of people have brought up Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett's going to be more expensive than Evaldi, and he's older than him. I think he's 30, he is 33 or just turned 33. So, And he's not a power pitcher. He's a ground ball guy. So do you really want to give top dollar to you know, an old sort of sinker ball throwing guy? I, I don't know about that. You know, other names that are intriguing are guys like Taiwan Walker, uh, Sean Manaya, who are maybe a little bit younger, but they're kind of reclamation projects too. So, you know, you mentioned three for 39 for a guy like Evaldi. I wouldn't hate that either because the other aspect of this is I, I was kind of on your side of this, Terry, where like when he rejected the qualifying offer, I was like, you know what? Good. Let's wash our hands of the Evaldi era. Let's move on. But then I sort of thought about what your rotation looks like right now heading into the spring. And it's not that overwhelming. I mean, Chris Sale, who the hell knows what you're going to get out of him. I mean, I know that, you know, he expects to be healthy for the start of next year, but he could show up to spring training, get stung by a bee and go on the 60 day IL. So who knows what's going to happen with him? You've got Nick Pavetta again, but I think you've seen the best of Nick Pavetta. I think at this point it's a downward trajectory for him. You've got Brian Bayo. He's your best pitching prospect. So that's great. You know, hopefully he continues to improve. And after that, it's like, we don't know what's going to happen with Waka. You know, it, Rich Hill might be back, but does that give you any great hope? It doesn't for me. Um, I wouldn't mind Evaldi coming back, especially if he takes a little bit of a haircut on the salary and, He's only making 13 for another three years. 
I think that'd be fine because honestly, I look at that free agent list and I go, there's really not another guy out there that I would want more than Ivaldi. Get you know, if the money is the same. Obviously, like I said, Rodon, forget it. That they're not going to pay him. Some stupid team is going to give Rodon five years over a hundred million, and they're going to live to regret it. So let someone else make that deal. The other guys on there, I'm just not impressed. Noah Syndergaard, he's not the same guy. He looks like he's quickly becoming cooked. So honestly, I'm kind of coming around to the idea of Evaldi on like a three-year deal. I don't want any more than three. I'll make that clear. Like I don't want him on another four-year deal. It's got to be three or less. But yeah, three for like between 35 and 39, I'm okay with that. Another way I look at it is you've got Sale, you've got Paxton, and you would have Evaldi under this scenario. I think there's a very realistic chance two of those three don't make 15 starts. And if that happens, that's probably last place. That's a lot of Cutter Crawford, and it's a lot of Josh Winkowski. So I just, I'm just not comfortable with it. And I don't know if we need to make trades. I don't know what it is. And I'll agree. Yeah. The, the free agent market isn't, isn't looking good. (laughs) Uh, You know, this season, I wouldn't mind Noah Syndergaard on on a one-year deal because I I think he he would start 30 games, whether the stuff is effective. I just, I don't know. Uh, You know, maybe he's a bad choice. He did did look okay in the playoffs, though. I'll I'll say that. Maybe he he got lucky. I I don't know. I'm going to assume that there's no interest in Waka because he would have got the qualifying offer if uh, that was the case. We're interested in Andrew Heaney, apparently. I thought he got hurt. I meant to look him up before we came on, but I, I feel like he, he missed a number of games last year. Um, I, I'm just, I'm concerned. And the Red Sox, there has been talk that they're interested in Heaney. And I just feel like going into 2023, the mindset is almost no different than it was in 2021 just a bunch of high risk guys and and you're hoping for the best. So would you, so according to Spotrack and again, it's not the most perfect figure, but it's what we have to go off of. They put Syndergaard's market value at 15 million and he's 29 years old. So you'd have to imagine he would not want a one year deal. He's going to want at least three, maybe even four. So would you be more comfortable with Syndergaard at let's call it three years, 15 and a half million or Evaldi at three years, 13. And that's barely a difference. It's just a couple million, but you know, which guy would you rather throw the money at? Gun to my head. I I feel like I'm picking my poison here because there's just so much unknown with Syndergaard. And I, I feel like there's less unknown with Evaldi, but I would probably take Syndergaard. I just, what what is a thirty five year old Nathan Avaldi gonna be in year three, and is that velocity ever coming back? 
I I don't there there's just it just sounds extremely high risk to me. I feel like 35-year-old Nathan Avaldi in the last year of the deal could see himself adopting like a Rich Hill kind of role where he's in the bullpen sometimes, he's a swingman, he makes spot starts when a guy gets hurt. Like maybe that's what their mentality is. You know, maybe they're talking with Nathan. They say, look, we know that we you want the years, but, you know, just so you know, like if, you know, if we build up our pitching program again and – you know, your your stuff starts to dip, you could be in the bullpen in the third year of that deal. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I've I've kind of thought Evaldi all along had been better suited for the bullpen after twenty nineteen anyway. Um I just thought that was the best way to salvage his uh remaining deal and I feel like, you know, we we kind of came out of it you know, okay, I guess. It wasn't the worst contract. It wasn't the Panda contract. It wasn't the Hanley contract. I know those guys are hitters, but um, I don't know. I just feel like if he's on the injured list by this May or June, we're like, there's just going to be a lot of remorse is what I feel like. I'm trying to pull up the uh, free agent list right now. Let's see. I just want to go through the pitchers again. So let's here. I got a list right in front of me here. Um, I agree on Carlos Rodon. I wouldn't want him for any more than three. He's going to get more than that. I'm out on him. I'm out on Kershaw. I'm out on Jake DeGrom. Is he another guy you guys would entertain or not touch him with a 10 foot pole? He's getting four or five years, I think, even at 34. I don't I mean, think the stuff so. is elite for sure, but. The amount of money and the contract that he's gonna he's gonna garner is not something that I'm willing to deal with, especially considering that he his durability is starting to come into question. He he's less durable, I feel like, than Avaldi. Um, here's a guy. You know, it's a it's a resounding yes from me. I I'm resigned to the idea. I'm in the minority, but Justin Verlander, do you give him? two or three years at age 40 with a fully rebuilt elbow? Uh, not not for the number that was reported. Uh, I forget who said it. I think the Athletic threw a, a probable number out there. They're like, he could get like two years, 70 million. I, no, thank you. No, I, he, he's going to get some stupid, ridiculous number. I know that he's kind of doing the Brady thing and he's like defying father time a little bit, but at some point, that well is going to run dry. I no thanks. Run it up to the next ten million and bring the pitching coach from Houston, and then I'll I'll sign that deal. But outside of that, no chance. All right. Like I said, I'm in the minority. Um, while I was doing that, I was trying to get uh, Heaney's game started up. I'm not even used to this site, but Andrew Heaney might be the Major League Baseball equivalent of Kirk Cousins. Six, the guy that when nobody's watching him, he's he's lights out. But as soon as the lights turn on, this guy can't pitch, man. You bring him into New York in a, in a big market, and he just crumbled. His only good start was against us in what happens to be one of our worst seasons of all time. Yeah, well, he did uh, own us twice, I think, in 2021. Uh, 3.10 ERA this year with uh, 14 games started, only 72 
innings pitched. I don't know why he pitched so few innings, but um, that's going to be a no thank you for me. Uh, so we don't like anybody yet. Bassett's 34. Uh, I think we've already said no. I, I may not hate him. Um, here's a, here's an interesting name. Jamison Tyon. No, no, I'm, I'm out on Tyon. I think he's, yeah, I think he's below average. And if we get him at the end of the end of the winter meetings, right. If there's no market and we can sign him below, you know, what is perceived market value? Sure, he's an innings eater, uh, but I would not want to win a bidding war for that to be the prize. 31 years old, so a little bit younger than some of these other guys. I might entertain a two-year deal on him if it were me. Uh, let's keep going here. Taiwan Walk is another guy I'd probably be interested in at relatively cheap money, 10, 12 million a year for two or three years. I know Andrew showed his uh, metrics, which weren't great, but if the Red Sox can identify something, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that deal. Uh, let's see. We've already talked about Syndergaard. Yeah, we're getting to the really crappy ones now. Uh, Michael Boyd, Drew Smiley. I'm just going to list some of these names off. If you guys like one of them, we can talk about them. Uh, let's see. Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy. Aaron Sanchez's name is on there. He's only 30 years old. <laughs> hasn't Probably hasn't pitched in a few years. Uh, Mike Clevenger, 32 years old. I don't know what he's got left. And uh, I think we can wrap it up. Though those are those are the better names this year. So yeah, it's it's a crap list. It really is. Once you get past Degrom and Verlander, there's just a massive drop off from those two to the next tier on the list. And uh, yeah, it's I, honestly, I mean, look, as a Red Sox fan, you shouldn't be really, um, you know turning away any pitching help because this team desperately needs it. But these guys for the money that they're going to command, um, cause you look at those market values. I mean, even guys like, like Jordan Lyles, his market value is 17 million. I would not give Jordan Lyles anything more than like a bucket of old baseballs to have him pitch for me. Like that's so pro track. Yeah, that's spo track. I don't so, think that they're accurate most of the time. I may not be. I remember when Nunez was a free agent. Eduardo Nunez, remember him? Big acquisition in 2017. Um, He was projected to get like 11 million uh, over. It it was 11 per. So it was a two-year, $22 million deal. He ended up getting a $4 million deal with a $4 million player option. Um, So I I wouldn't go by that. I just pulled up Drew Smiley real quick. I mean, not terrible numbers in 2022. Um, 22 games started, 347 ERA. Um, I don't know. There, Bloom, you know, probably has some familiarity with him because he um, came from Tampa, but or he arrived. He was in the David Price trade, is what it was from the Tigers, but. I don't know. It's it's another name that I don't love, but I like it more than Evaldi. 
I mean, this free agent class is, is just name value alone. It's not necessarily like the numbers or the performance. It's just, oh, that was a guy like Chris Archer, right? Like it still rings a bell and you think that there could be value there. Maybe you could, you know, like you said, Terry, find something in, in the video or in the mechanics and, and tweak something. But at a performance wise, I mean, this is a tough year to rebuild a system or rebuild a, a rotation. It is. It is. And it makes me matter that we didn't sign one of the pitchers from last year's free agency. I, I was screaming um, Toronto pitcher there off the mountaintops. Gosman. Gosman. Yes. Kevin Gosman. And well, uh, he stuck it to us as well. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had a really good year. And, um, you know, he didn't threaten for a Cy Young, but was just that solid guy that you would have hoped to have. And did they sign one other pitcher? It must have been Barrios. Yeah, he had a terrible year. Yeah, all right. Well, I just looked up Zach Davies. Wasn't impressed. I'm just going to kind of give that up. But I, I would be more open personally to a guy like Syndergaard uh, on the right deal. I'd still love to have Waka back, but I, I that's probably out of the question. So Sean Manea might not be a bad option if uh... – you know, as Jason has mentioned, right at the at the right number, um, I would be I would be pretty thrilled with that signing. I just think he's he's another guy with, um, you know, a bad injury history. How many games did he start last year? I got it right here. Um, oh, he started twenty eight games. All right. Well, he had a five ERA though. Maybe that was the problem. He, I mean, he we just need guys to pitch those twenty-eight games. <laughs> we can't be too picky. <laughs> yeah, he he did regress a lot when he went to San Diego, um, but he stayed mostly healthy throughout last year. So okay, and he's a guy who's pitched in the American League before, so he knows what that's about. It must be tough pitching anywhere besides Oakland if that's where you cut your teeth first. All that foul ground, yeah, massive outfield fight. What a what a pitcher friendly ballpark one of the more friendlier ones and right across the bay san francisco is uh another one or it's not home run friendly let's put it that way all right so i guess that officially makes me the only hardcore no on the podcast because i charlie and mark like him we know andrew in the in the chat was um open to it so i'm just i guess i'm just the only anti-evaldi guy but uh, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens in the coming days to see if the Red Sox do lock him up on a multi-year deal. I'm just kind of hoping Bloom surprises us with something, a, a trade or something. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into some other stuff. Uh, Anthony Rizzo signs with the New York Yankees two years. Uh, 34 million. So that's 17 million per. There's a $6 million buyout on a third year if the Yankees don't pick up the club option. So that's, that's essentially a $40 million guarantee if that, if that buyout is picked up. If the third year option is picked up, then it becomes a $51 million guarantee. So that's Pretty decent money for Anthony Rizzo. Some kind of 
under the radar implications of that signing could be him and Judge became pretty close friends. Perhaps they were even before that, but they they are close friends uh, nowadays. And maybe the Yankees are trying to warm the waters up a little bit to try to retain their big slugger. But Jason, go ahead. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see him go back there. I didn't think that Rizzo was going to... Um was going to jump ship. I think he likes playing in New York. I think that ballpark certainly suits him. I mean, he mashed 32 home runs last year. So uh, we thought his big power days were, were behind him, but playing at Yankee stadium as a left-handed hitter will certainly fix that problem. Um, so I think it's, it's a smart move for Rizzo. I think it's a smart move for the Yankees too, because they're trying to establish a better culture there than they have in years past. And Rizzo definitely helps with that. And to your point about trying to lure judge with that kind of move, that will help, you know, bringing back a guy like Rizzo and saying, Hey, we care about having leadership here. We care about having good veterans here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll find a different place for Josh Donaldson. Don't worry. It's, it's going to be more guys like Anthony Rizzo and we're not going to bring Chapman back. We're going to send him out too. like, I think they're really trying to show judge. Like this is not a toxic locker room, toxic clubhouse anymore. Uh, we we're committed to winning and we're going to bring winning players in here. I don't know if it'll work because I don't know if judge is going to care more about that or, you know, the $400 million deal he gets from whoever, you know, like does he chase the money or does he go back because he believes in the whole culture change? We'll see. But I think signing Rizzo was a good first step. uh, If the Yankees want to at least have a shot of bringing judge back. Yeah, this one was an absolute bummer as a non-Yankees fan. I mean, it made too much sense. The guy mashed in Yankee Stadium, you know, power lefty, good first baseman, a place that they, you know, have underperformed uh, consistently since Teixeira left. There's no way that they could have let Rizzo get out the door and then look Judge in the eyes and say, hey, we're committed to winning, right? Jason touched on it a lot. They need to do essentially a roster turn, a roster lineup flip over they've got a lot of empty names guys that you're just not afraid of right donaldson comes up you're like okay cool maybe he goes out of the out of the park but chances are he's gonna strike out looking with the bat on the shoulder chapman's a liability can't pitch against the red sox there's a bunch of guys on the yankees roster that you're just not afraid of and and rizzo was one of those dudes where he comes up and you're like oh man something's about to happen and it's not going to be good for our team you know, there were reports about him potentially going to Houston and maybe it was me being an optimist. Maybe it was me being a pie in the sky kind of guy. I was really hoping that there was more traction to that because I don't think we're one offseason away from from contending with Houston. Uh, so anything that would have weakened the Yankees um, would have been music to my ears. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. You know, he goes back with that contract with New York. It made too much sense for them to let him get out the door. They obviously need to look at themselves in the mirror and look at that culture in house. Cause they're, they're not winners right now. And they haven't been for a decade and a half at this point. And, and getting guys like Rizzo uh, to stay is, is going to be a big step forward to them, you know, being the Yankees that they claim to be um, as unfortunate as it is for us. I was kind of surprised. I, admittedly, I totally misread the Rizzo situation because he declined the qualifying offer. I guess I shouldn't have been too shocked at that, but 
it didn't seem like there were negotiations going on. And you find out a few weeks ago that Aaron Judge has unfollowed the Yankees on all of his social media platforms. And now Rizzo declines the qualifying offer. I'm just kind of feeling like everybody's bailing from New York. And Jason, you, you talk about them wanting to improve the culture. And, uh, you know, that's probably because the culture seemed to be pretty bad. And <laughs> that's what happens when you trade for Josh Donaldson. I mean, you've got to assume that's a small factor, but being a little facetious, but um, yeah. And you had some of the players calling out Aaron Boone for his, his pitching decisions in the postseason. And I just really thought Rizzo was like, get me out of here. And Houston, I mean, who doesn't want to play for Dusty Baker right now? Who doesn't want to play in that atmosphere? So there, I thought that sounded extremely legit. It sounded like they were being aggressive and, and so be it. Um, let's talk about Rizzo real quick. I'm just going to make some observations, actually. So he's going to be, what, 33 maybe? He is 33. Yeah. So, and just turned 33 uh, a few months ago. So, next year, essentially, uh, you know, it's his age 33, age 34 season. This contract brings him through, uh, you know, age 35, 36. The, the option, you know, would be to age 36, 37. This is an old team. This is a team that's going to be old and, that's what happened to them in, in 2015, 2016, when they weren't super competitive. They didn't make the playoffs in 2016. I think they lost to the Astros the year before in the one-game wild card. But you've got DJ LeMahieu for another three or four years. That's not looking good. Josh Donaldson, I think, is um, going to be in the final year of his deal this year. He's going to be, I think, age 37. Stanton, I think, will be 32 years old. Not the best record of health there. Nothing to suggest he's going to be a beacon of health going forward. Like, this Yankees team is starting to look look old. And so, I don't know if the contract's going to age well. Other than the fact that Rizzo hit a bunch of home runs... Uh, at Yankee Stadium. He hit 19 home runs at Yankee Stadium, 13 more on the road. So that was 32 overall for the season. His other numbers are surprisingly somewhat mediocre. Let's see. On the on the road, he hit... was my spot here. On the road, he hit... 225 at home, 222. So no huge advantage there uh, with Yankee Stadium as far as hitting. As far as uh, left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching, he hit 220 against righties, which is weird because isn't he a lefty? Yes, he is a lefty. Of course he's a lefty. That's why he's playing at Yankee Stadium. And then he hit 233 against, against lefties. So his splits were somewhat reversed, but still... I mean, mediocre. He's hitting in the 220s and 230s, no matter what type of split you're you're looking up. So uh, in the first half last year, here's another good one. Hit 224. In the second half, hit 222. 
this is a guy that I think he's on the downside of his career, and they just locked him up for three years to improve the culture. I just... It just goes to hammer away at the point that I love to make every offseason that Brian Cashman is a 1990s GM. That's his mindset. That's how he builds his roster. And it's crazy to me that he's coming back. If I'm a Yankees fan, I've got no hope. I've got no hope whatsoever. I'm, I'm in the John Farrell days where... I knew the culture was going to be bad. I knew the pitching management was going to be bad. And there was no reason to suggest we were going to go deep in October. And this is after 2013. I would have the same sense of doom if I was a Yankees fan. I mean, the Yankees, the the easiest thing they could have done two years ago was fire Aaron Boone when everyone was calling for it. And instead they said, no, we're going to give him a contract extension. We really like him. (laughs) For three years. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Yankees fan, you got to go, geez, it, it doesn't matter what how they finish. They're just going to keep bringing back the same guy. Cashman's going to have a job for life. Boone's going to keep getting extensions. And, yeah, sure, you sign a guy like Rizzo, and, yes, it will help the culture to some extent. But, like you said, he's 33 going on 34. Eventually there's going to be a drop-off there. Now, maybe part of the reasoning behind his contract is $17 million, you know, maybe if there's a team desperate enough, it's sort of a tradable contract, especially with that third-year buyout option. Um, so if they do have to do what they did back in 2016, where they just, you know, that was when they traded away like Brian McCann and all their other old guys that they were done with. If they have to do that again, that's, you know, that contract, other teams would be willing to take that on, I think. So maybe that's part of the calculus here. But, I mean, yeah, even with Rizzo back, they still have, like you said, a, an old roster with bad contracts. Aaron Hicks, that contract is still on the books. DJ LeMayhew, that that contract's aging like milk. Um, Josh Donaldson is still going to be there next year because he's got a vesting option. And the buyout, I think, is $8 million, which is not terrible, but it's a little expensive for a buyout. So they'll probably keep him. So another year of Josh Donaldson in a Yankees uniform. I don't see how that helps anybody. Um I know that they've got these two amazing prospects, Anthony Volpe and Jason Dominguez, that are on the way, but they're both position players. They, you know, their their young pitching hasn't come up yet. So, and Garrett Cole, you know, he's sort of flipped up to the contracts. He pitched very well in the postseason, but it still isn't enough. So, and if they lose out on Judge, then you know, screw your culture change. You just left. You just lost the guy who basically carried you all last season. So how's that going to go? I I agree. If I'm a Yankees fan, I'm very concerned about the future of this team because unless they pull another miracle like they did in 2016 where they make a bunch of trades and they get a bunch of prospects back that, you know, can start pretty quickly, I don't see how they turn around all that fast. Cody, any more thoughts? No, I mean – as as a Red Sox fan, looking at this offseason, you know, we had kind of touched on the free agent market as it was, um, you know, much like we're kind of in between a rock and a hard place. It was the same thing for, for the Yankees, right? They've got a lot of old guys on bloated contracts with not a lot of players they can bring in to, to kind of sub them out. And the Yankees have proven time and time again, 
they'd rather go out and get an proven commodity versus trusting their own farm system. Um, you know, they've got a log jam of great position players, allegedly, according to, you know, the farm system's top 100 that barely make it into, into playing time. And, you know, looking at that and the way that Cashman likes to operate, it's, it's kind of a good place to be as, as a Red Sox fan, right? Either they sign judge to this tremendous contract that's going to be, you know, a backbreaker on the back half of it, or they let him walk. And then, you know, either way, it's a win-win for us. I'm just going through the uh, Yankees roster in 2016. Uh, here are some of the names. Alex Rodriguez, who was limping to the end. I think they famously told him they were cutting him, but gave him a full week to still play. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury was uh, in the late stages of, of his career at that point. They had Carlos Beltran, who was having basically his swan song. Uh, Mark Tashira, oh, I thought he was on there. Maybe he left in 2015. I'm not seeing him. No, he was. Yes, no, Mark Tashira was there uh, in 2016. So, Quick side note about text. There was a highlight that came across Twitter where text, uh, scored on a sack fly by Judge, and that blew my mind. I did not know that they were ever on the same team sharing a lineup card. That was just wild to see. Yeah, and um, yeah, their one bright spot in 2016 was Gary Sanchez, but that was probably the best season he ever had, and it was only half a season. Uh, yeah, so that was just an old uh, busted roster. Curious to see their pitching. I just hate the way this... Yeah, Nathan Avaldi. that was his Tommy John year uh, with them. Miguel Pineda, who could never stay healthy. CC Sabathia, although was somewhat relevant. So I guess their pitching wasn't wasn't that wasn't that old. I think Tanaka was having uh, you know some decent seasons at that point, but but Cashman is you know he's got a dinosaur mindset and he's filling his roster up with almost actual dinosaurs they're that old so it's going to be even more depressing going forward like they need to win next year or the year after with these contracts they've got about a two-year window so it looks bad all right so let's wrap up uh we won't get into it too much because we've been talking about them ad nauseum but Xander Bogarts keeps getting to connected to other teams. It was looking. I thought there was some serious momentum with the Phillies over the weekend. And that's significant because obviously Dave Dombrowski, uh, you know, has a history. He gave him his first uh, extension, which was six years, 120 million. That's the, the one he opted out of. So perhaps he's looking to kind of add to it. And the Phillies, let's face it, they're an easy team to sell a free agent on. They're like, oh, you get to play with JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, which would be, you know, he'd be reuniting with. Um, it, it's an easy team to try to attract, uh, you know, uh, a top flight free agent. And um, so the Phillies was one. And uh, apparently the Yankees are connected to him. And what's significant about that, and I, I know Boris is going to connect him to everyone. That's just, that's how, how he does it. But, but 
what's significant about that is apparently Hal Steinbrenner has been in contact with Judge, and I think at least one or two of those meetings have been in person uh, since the season ended, and he's telling Judge that he's not the only priority. They want to they wanna build a team around him and bring in players, so perhaps a guy like Bogarts would be someone they would target. So here's my question to you guys. Who would be more motivated to screw the Red Sox? Dave Dombrowski or Brian Cashman? Jason, go ahead. I still think at the end of the day, it's Cashman. Um, there's He's just because the Red Sox are your direct competition. If you're Brian Cashman, Dave Dombrowski, I think obviously wants to stick it to Boston, but he kind of already did just by, being two wins away from, you know, from a world series and, you know, with Kyle Schwarber leading the way in, in many regards. So I think Dombrowski kind of, and, you know, during that whole time was when he came out with that interview where he said, yeah, I, you know, I felt like I got screwed by Boston, you know, the, the way it ended didn't sit well with me. So he got to take a shot at the organization and he got to go to a world series and he got to kind of put his ass in Red Sox nation's face by doing that. So I think he's, I think he's good. I think he's sort of sated that he, you know, he feels good now. Um, I'm sure he still wants Bogarts because he recognizes the talent. He recognizes that he already has a good team in front of him. Adding a guy like Xander Bogarts could put them over the hump and get them right back to the world series. Um, But I still think Cashman's more motivated. I think Cashman would love to swipe Xander Bogarts away from the Red Sox, have him play, at shortstop at Yankee Stadium, you know, bring back Judge as well. And then, you know, because right now, Red Sox fans, even though we finished worse than the Yankees did last year, we're kind of laughing at them because we're going, geez, you guys just, you can't get past Houston. You you keep on choking. You know, you have all these bad contracts. So I think Cashman kind of looks at that and goes, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, you want to laugh at all my bad contracts? I'm going to give a seven-year deal to your shortstop, and we're going to steal them away from you. And you guys are going to keep finishing in last place because we're going to have the better team. So I think that's, I think Cashman's definitely motivated to do that. Cody. It'd be one thing if, you know, we signed Dombrowski as, you know, this young farmham brought him up through the front office system. You know, he cut his teeth with the Red Sox. We groomed him. He got the GM role. And then, you know, we, we turned him out the door the way that we did, but this isn't his first time that he's been kind of shown the door. So, you know, much like Jason said, I think Cashman is is definitely got to be the one that's a little bit more um, burning to to burn us, for lack of better terms. You know, he's been in the division since the 90s, right? So, you know, every year that we win a division, every year that we knock him out of the playoffs, every year that, you know, we hoist a trophy and that they don't, you know, it's something that he's got to hear in the entire offseason. Dombrowski is tangentially uh, related to the Red Sox atmosphere organization whatever you want to call it but but cashman has to look at us 19 times a year if not every day in the standings um there's no doubt in my mind that cashman wants to put it over on us um more than dombrowski does and you know much like jason said you know if if they want to sign bogarts to you know a seven year twitter whatever million dollar deal let them make the same mistake that they did with jacoby ellsbury you know as as great as xander was love the guy to death he's been a tremendous value add to the franchise I don't think these long-term deals with guys that are on the wrong side of 30 are going to age well. 
So if you want to sign a guy to, you know, a 28, 29, 30 million AAV, by all means. Bogarts has been linked to the Phillies. He's been linked to the Cubs. He's been linked to the Yankees. Pundits think he's coming back to the Red Sox. He's all over the place. It's going to be one of those deals where out of the blue, we're going to see ink to paper Bogart signs somewhere. And it's it's going to be what it is, right? You know, as long as the Red Sox look him in his face, gave him what, you know, is is a fair shake. I think that's all we can ask for at this point. He's going to go, I think, where the most money is because he's looking at this as his last big as his last big deal. I don't know which one's more motivated uh, to be honest, I still kind of think Dombrowski is a little bit bitter. One of my favorite parts about that interview was, um, and it's not my favorite, like as if I'm making fun of him, I guess I should say one of the more interesting parts of it was the night Dombrowski got fired, it was an ESPN Sunday night game, and he had just been on the field to do the pregame ceremonies. For some reason, he had to be down there. And then he goes upstairs, meets with John Henry, and he's fired. And then he said when he got home, the game was like in the fifth or sixth inning. And it was just jarring that he was watching it at home. He wasn't there. So I just feel like those moments have kind of kind of stuck with him a little bit. And perhaps there is a little bit of motivation. Selfishly, me being one of the bigger anti-Bloom guys on this crew... Seeing the meltdown of Xander going to New York is just, I am here for that. I want a front row seat and I will overpay for that. I will camp out in a sleeping bag to get a ticket to that show on social media. Cause I just, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of value long-term with Xander, much like Cody was just saying, I don't think he's going to, I, he's not a guy in his 30s that's that's going to age well. Let's put it that way. There's been exceptions, and um, but I, I don't think he's going to be one of them. I will say I don't think he's going to fall off as quickly uh, as Ellsbury did. Like that was a dramatic, sudden drop. So I, I think I think he'll be relevant for a little bit longer. But I would just love to see that meltdown. I wouldn't hate if he signed with the Phillies just because I like that team and. Um, I, I think he'd potentially be a good fit there. They, I think, declined the option of Gene Segura, Segura so they don't have a, a shortstop right now. So that uh, makes sense. And the interesting thing with Dombrowski, if you remember, through his Red Sox tenure, he likes to make deals in the middle of the night. A lot of stuff goes down in the middle of the night, and uh, his firing, the news of that got broken in the middle of the night, ironically, but... I remember he traded for Brad Ziegler, which was a trade I loved. It didn't work out quite as great. Farrell, he's Ziegler had a 150 career whip, and, and Farrell always thought it was a good idea to bring him in with runners on. Um, so no wonder it didn't work out. But there was another significant deal that happened uh, in the middle of the night. I know Steve Pierce was late because we were recording um, as that news happened, but... But check your check your phones right when you wake up. See if there's any Phillies news, whether it's Xander related or not. I wonder if Dombrowski makes deals when he's like six in the bag. You know, he's he's had some drinks and perhaps that's helped facilitate some of these deals. Just speculating. Just speculating. 
I do miss Dombrowski's aggressiveness, and I miss how transparent he was with the media. There was no, there was no maneuvering. There was like, yep, we need this, and we're trying to get it done, and that was that. And, and if he, you, he was active, I'll give you that. It is much nicer to be on the active end of deals versus the interest kings that we seem to be. We are interested in, or we are looking at, or we have had conversations with. Right. Dombrowski actually, you know, closed or or signed deals ink to paper. I'm still jealous of the Phillies, though, over the fact that Girardi got fired in the middle of the season. I was begging for that for so many years with Farrell. Like, and it just Dombrowski kept him probably one year too late. But uh yeah. Uh, I thought I had one other thing about Dombrowski. Oh, it it was just kind of coming to me as you guys were giving your takes. When you're looking back at Dombrowski's tenure, it wasn't the the position player contracts that hurt him or, or the acquisitions. It was always the pitching, you know, the sale extension, not good. The David Price signing, not great, not a complete flop either. But, um, and, uh, you know, Evaldi, I, I guess it, it kind of worked out. Um, but you look at the hitting JD Martinez, one of the better free agent contracts of all time. Um, Steve Pierce, brilliant. Nobody knew it would be at the time. I mean, he was a Yankees killer. We knew that coming into it, but, but ended up being the world series MVP. And another thing I liked was Hanley Ramirez was a lost cause. And Dave Dombrowski said, watch this. He's our first baseman. And it worked okay for a while. And then when the time came to cut him, what happened? Dombrowski did what he had to do. So he was great as far as the position players went. Not so good with pitching uh, as well as the bullpen uh, as well. Remember Carson Smith? Remember that? Everyone raved and it just did not work well. Uh, and then, oh, Tyler Thornburg again. So. I was going to say Thornburg. Yeah, that yeah. was oof. yikes. I passed a Thornburg street and I've passed it a couple of times and I keep forgetting to snap a picture uh, somewhere down here in South Carolina. And another thing too, there's a, a cracker barrel billboard and it said something about beer and chicken on it. And uh, it's just how, how do you not get triggered by that? You know, <laughs> I kept forgetting to take a picture of it. They finally got rid of it, but um they've got well they they've got a new ad up now so uh yeah so anyway continue to watch the bogarts uh you know i was just wondering though before we do go i'm like is he's probably third ranked number three out of the four i'm guessing you know you'd have either correa or turner above him in some order i wouldn't argue either way then you got bogarts then you got swanson and I was wondering if Swanson was a big drop off from Bogarts, but it's not really looking that way. Uh, 25 home runs, 96 ribbies, batted uh, 277. Certainly had a better year uh, than Bogarts did offensively. Uh, hit 27 bombs the year before. So his power has shown up. So perhaps he could still be somewhat desirable. How old is he? He must be late 20s. Um, yeah, I think he's 28, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, he'll um, yeah. turn 29 in February. So, 
He actually had the most home runs out of that group. Did he? Okay. Both Correa and Turner hit less than 25 as well. I think Correa had 21. Charlie um, always gives this take on how Correa never has hit 30. He's never hit 100 uh, runs batted in, never driven them in, I should say. I'm pulling up Turner right now. Turner, 298 on the year with only 20 one home runs exactly 100 ribbies 27 stolen bases though i mean that's he's a five tool guy um, the smoothest slider in the game some would say <laughs> yeah exactly yeah he definitely had some highlight reels where he just kind of floated across the plate and then just pops up you know almost like he's doing ballet or something yeah he just turned 29 while well, in june so he kind of yeah, he's halfway through the season, but but yeah, I, I guess he would probably be number one on on everyone's list. But one of those guys has to sign. I feel like by the end of the month, I feel like one of them goes this month. I could be wrong, but I feel like someone's gonna make up their mind and just pounce on one of them, and uh, we'll see. Final thoughts before we go. Uh, Ramiel Tapia just got designated for assignment from Toronto. Oh. Uh, the dude that ruined our entire summer. Um, felt like every time he came up, he, he just did damage to us. Uh, you know, he's a career 980 fielding percentage, 260 batter, plays all three positions in the outfield. If there's no takers, wouldn't mind seeing him out there. I'm just pulling up his numbers. I guess I, uh, I was unfamiliar with his, um, time in Colorado so he's actually been in the league a little while Eh, I think he's 29 yeah I'd probably pass I mean 265 not bad 292 on base doesn't really walk a lot there's no real power to speak of seven home runs that's his second most in his career he hit nine in 2019 so never really cracked double digits there let's look at his stolen bases uh, stole 20 in uh, 2021 but only eight last year I guess I mean as a fourth outfielder but I I think I think essentially we have ref Snyder in that role right now mm-hmm. is is the thing I mean that's it's purely reactionary and uh you know I watched him ruin our our days wouldn't mind seeing him do it for us kind of thing maybe you know he loves Fenway Park or or whatnot but yeah, I absolutely agree. If you just look at his raw numbers, he's not a he's not a guy that you're going to be burning down the hatches to get for sure. Yeah, apparently, like you said, it was mostly with us. Uh, another guy who just completely owned us and by the grace of God got traded to the Brewers was Rowdy Telez, would just mangle us every time. Yeah, he's still still playing on the big league roster for them. Hit. Uh, Let's see. Wow, 35 home runs. I didn't I don't remember that. 35 home runs in 2022. Rowdy Telez only hit 219 uh with a 306 on base. So Anthony Rizzo-esque um for Telez. I wonder if he uh he must have DH'd a lot of it cuz he's only got a is 0.9 war but anyway just a, a dude that just raked against us but apparently he's he's smashing everyone uh lately 30th round is when Telez got drafted but all right 
we will wrap on that. We'll be back, I think, on Friday. I don't know if we'll record that night, though, but that's the non-tender uh, deadline day. That's where you, you might see some interesting names uh, get non-tendered. And I, I know we went through a very underwhelming um, free agent list as far as pitchers. Maybe maybe someone we can identify as uh, serviceable will get non-tendered and, and we could add to our roster that way. I can't imagine uh, any non-tender candidates really on the Red Sox. Maybe Christian Arroyo if they're going to get super creative, but at $2.2 million, I, I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I don't think, yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe one of our catchers actually. Um, I don't know what their plans are for, um, who did we get from the, I'm drawing so many blanks tonight from the White Sox. Reese McGuire. Reese McGuire. Wow. That wasn't even close to the top of my brain. Uh, so he's, uh, he's another one that, uh, could, uh, be non-tendered, but either way, we'll be back probably no later than Sunday to, um, to cover that. So. And if anything significant happens, though, we, we will be, uh, as far as the Red Sox go, we'll be here to cover it. So everyone have a good rest of your week. Take care.